other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. Yes, your ears do not deceive you. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano here on 77 WABC. Great to be back in the saddle. Just got back from Mexico just a couple of hours ago. I'll give you some highlights of my trip and we'll get into a whole bunch of news over the course of the next four hours and some fun conversation topics as well. But I actually want to begin the show by and I'm always kind of on the fence whether we should mention this or not because it sounds like we're bragging but I am going to mention this because it really involves the important role you're playing in keeping the station alive and thriving and keeping my career alive and thriving I got a look at the ratings right before I left town on Friday and for the month of November we again just killed it. We did over an 11 share in the category of 12 plus. Now, what that means is for every radio listener over the age of 12, at any given time between the hours of 1 a.m. and 5 a.m., 11, more than 11 radios out of every 100 are tuned to this station listening live right now. So thank you for everybody that has made that possible. Now, to give you an idea of how big an 11 share is, that is the highest share on the station, at least during the week. And it doesn't mean we have the most listeners because obviously in the middle of the day, more people are awake than at this time. But we are leading the station in terms of share right now. And I want to thank you for that. We couldn't do this without you. I wouldn't be on the air without you. I also want to thank uh, John Katsimatidis for the opportunity to be able to do this show on a daily basis and for our staff who put so much effort into working on this show regularly. And uh, just to show you things are going in the right direction, we are up. About a full share point from last month, so our numbers continue to grow. We're killing it. Uh, there's no other talk station that's even close to where we are. And just to compare where we were a year ago, we were doing about an eight a year ago, which was pretty good a year ago, and uh, we are just continuing to grow. So thank you, and if you're one of our new listeners that has come on board recently, I appreciate that, and don't keep this show a secret, please Share it with all of your friends and family members because the more, the merrier. And uh, I know we do things a little bit differently on this show, and it's nice to see a lot of you, at, at least some of you anyway, really appreciate that. So thank you for making us number one on the AM dial once again. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 BC. I'm Frank Morano. It is great to be back in the saddle. My sincere thanks to my friend and colleague and a mentor, Curtis Sliwa, for sitting in for me on Friday and Monday morning. I know he's got quite a bit to do as it is, not only at the radio station, but with the Guardian Angels. In fact, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Curtis this hour if there's time and uh, what he is actually able to do. It seems superhuman. But I want to thank him for filling in. I want to also issue a little bit of an apology to you, the listener, on behalf of the show. These local commentaries, they call it the local spotlight, is something I put a lot of effort into. I put a lot of effort into thinking about them. I put a lot of effort into making them 
fit into the rest of the show. I put a lot of effort into writing them, making them sound different, and uh, editing them to time. So you can imagine my disappointment on Friday when Curtis, who's one of the greatest local figures in all of New York, a guy that hundreds of thousands of people voted for for mayor of New York City and that we're lucky to have part of our station, didn't do the local commentary. So I mentioned this to some of the folks that work on our show and I said, hey, you know, what's going on? How come Curtis didn't do it? I was told, well, why would Curtis do it? And I said, well, because I do it and he's filling in for me. And then I was told that's not Curtis's job and that if you wanted him to do it, you should have said something. So maybe that's true. I just assume that uh, if he was sitting in for me, he would do everything that I do. But uh, I guess I should have said something. So I apologize. Now, I did say something in advance of uh, Monday's show. And I'm told uh, that at least three, not I'm told, I listened to the three local commentaries that he did yesterday, and they were great. They were on point. And uh, I have reached out to management urging that whether it's Curtis or someone else that fills in for me in the future, but especially Curtis, because he just knows New York issues better than anybody, that they do all four local commentaries. So I think I'm going to take a day off around Christmas or New Year's. And when that occurs, I have it on pretty good authority from management that whoever is sitting in this chair will be doing all four local spotlights. But I apologize to you. Uh, I didn't realize that this was something that was falling upon me to remind everyone of and to inform everyone of. But uh, apparently it is. I didn't realize that, so I'm sorry. But it will not happen again. At least it shouldn't. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. I just got back from Mexico and I was wearing my New York Metropolitan's cap all over Cancun. It was a very difficult beginning of the weekend when we learned that our ace, our star, Jacob deGrom, who's been an all-star, I think at least four times, who was a Rookie of the Year winner with us, a multiple Cy Young Award winner with the New York Mets, has decided to leave New York and sign with the Texas Rangers. He has signed a five-year guaranteed contract contract worth $185 million. Now, I've always said, uh, and I said this when we were talking about Aaron Judge recently, I wouldn't begrudge anyone for signing a contract that makes them this wealthy. I mean, you think about it, guaranteed money of $185 million, that is extraordinary. I'll also be incredibly grateful for what DeGrom did while he was a New York Met. He brought so much joy, so much entertainment to Met fans, and he made us contenders at times when it seemed we had no business being made contenders. Two things strike me about this, though. Had DeGrom chosen to stay in New York, he could have been easily the second best Met pitcher of all time, maybe even the first when it was all said and done. So I can't help but think that this is a tremendous missed opportunity. Additionally, the fact that DeGrom didn't at least give the Mets an opportunity to match or exceed the offer from the Texas Rangers is a little disappointing. I know he has a lot of fans here that would have loved to see him remain in blue and orange, and it would have been at least a nice thing for him to say to the Mets, hey, look, here's 
$25 million offer I have on the table. Five years guaranteed. Can you do better? Additionally, I don't blame him. He never really seemed to love city life. And I, I get the sense that maybe a community like Texas is more his speed than the Big Apple. It seemed like the Mets could never really score any runs when he was pitching. So I don't blame him for leaving. I just wish he would have handled it slightly better. And then I have to tell you, I was celebrating by the end of the weekend with the news that the Mets have signed the man that may very well be the best pitcher in all of baseball, Justin Verlander, an AL Cy Young Award winner, did a great job with the Astros in another World Series winning season for them. At 39 years old, this guy must be drinking from a fountain of youth because he says he wants to keep pitching. And I'd love to see him finish his career as a Met. And I know people are going to think I'm dreaming when I say this. I'd love to see him get his 300th win as a Met. He's already 39, so he's already one of the oldest players, certainly one of the oldest starting pitchers in the league. But this guy seems to be drinking from the same fountain of youth that Tom Brady is drinking from. And I'd love to see him pitch another four, five, six years with the Metropolitan. So while I'm sorry to lose Jacob deGrom, I am happy to lay out the welcome wagon for Justin Verlander. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. By now, a bunch of you, especially if you're political junkies, especially if you pay attention to what's going on in the New York area, have probably heard the news that city councilman, Democratic city councilman Ari Kagan, who represents Coney Island and Bath Beach and a little bit of Gravesend, a little bit of uh, Seagate, he has now made the decision to leave the Democratic Party and register as a Republican. He's going to be seeking re-election next year as a Republican. He was just elected last year as a Democrat. Barely, barely won as a Democrat. Now he's going to be running for re-election as a Republican. Now, it's difficult to ignore the element of opportunism here. Even someone I was talking to yesterday saying, oh, I don't think that's right for you to get elected with one party and then switch to another. And look, in a race as close as the one that he won, chances are some people did just vote for him because he was the Democratic nominee. And I realize he's now drawn into another district in a right-leaning district, to be honest, with another Democratic council member. So I recognize that maybe if his district had stayed the way it was, he might not have switched parties, but I have no idea. I have no idea what's in Ari Kagan's head or his heart. But what I do want to take note of is that everybody for the last few years has been talking about how the New York City Republican Party is more abound, how there's no energy, how there's not much of an organization. Ari Kagan's switch now means there are six members of the New York City Council that are Republican. And that does not include Bob Holden, who was elected as a Republican initially, and Kalman Yeager, who was endorsed last year by both the Democrats and Republicans and actually got more votes on the Republican line than on the Democratic line. So that means there's more Republican members of the City Council than there has been since the late 1990s. More Republicans are in the New York City Council now than have been there in decades. And I have to tell you, I think that's not only a reflection of changing voting patterns and how a lot of the different parts of the city are becoming more conservative, but it's a reflection of the leadership of the city council minority leader, Joe Borelli. Now, obviously, Joe Borelli is a close friend. I consider him almost like a brother, and I'm always going to look for an opportunity to praise him. But the job that he has done in terms of being a spokesman for urban republicanism and urban conservatism is a model 
for what other Republicans can do in Democratic-led cities around the country. So hats off to Joe Borelli. And look, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I don't want to sound like I'm rooting for the Republicans. I have just as much of a problem with the GOP as I do the Democrats. But I have even more of a part. Of, I have even more of a problem with one-party government. I don't think it's good when one party controls everything. And if we can have more Republicans in New York City and more vibrant contested elections in the general election, I think that's a healthy thing for democracy. Beam me up. To be continued.